This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Whoop, the performance tool that is changing the way people track their fitness and optimize their training through a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that provides analytics and insights on recovery, strain, and sleep. Learn more at whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com and use code NOMEAT at checkout to save 15%. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to me Athlete Radio. Here we go. <laughs> Did you hear that, Doug? <laughs> Barely. What was that? <laughs> That's a gunshot. That was the gunshot from your race. Oh, the gun. <laughs> Wait, we're live from your race. <laughs> I better start running then. <laughs> I know, really. Well, it's an ultra, so you can yeah, go to a slow, relaxed pace, conversational pace, uh, <laughs> which actually is not a bad idea. You could you could record a remote a whole podcast during your ultra if you really wanted. What if we live stream the whole thing? Yeah, right. Or or forty minutes of it might be better. But <laughs> anyway, figured I'd do a little what you do for my cruise each year. <laughs> uh, the, i appreciate it well because we we're doing this we're recording this ahead of time before doug has run his race That's but right. it will go live after doug has run his race uh so it's as if he's running his race while we're recording it that's the idea <laughs> the magic of the internet <laughs> right uh and i will also be on spring break next week when we would normally record with my kids and wife down visiting my mom so easier to record now than then uh and also easier to put up a best of episode than to uh to make a brand new one but anyway it is at least along the the theme that that we're going for right that's right ultra marathons yes and for those who don't know doug tell the nice people what you are doing as we record this as we speak right now i am you may be able to hear my feet pitter pattering but you probably can't because i'm so soft that my my cadence is so mm-hmm. tender and soft um no uh I am running the Hellbender 100, which is a 100-miler in North Carolina that uh, is billed as one of the toughest or maybe the toughest in, in the East Coast as far as elevation gain goes, like 28,000 feet of climbing. Um, and it, uh, it's one I ran last year. So if, you've, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you, can, you may have heard me talk about it. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it before. We have a whole recap episode. Is that we right? have a whole recap episode. Yeah, so someone could go back and someone do that. could go back and listen to it, and then listen to your next week's episode, which <laughs> <laughs> where I'll talk about it again. You just get tons of Hellbender conversation. Yeah. yeah, no, but so I mean, yeah, so I'm excited. It's, it's uh, this is the only time I've, this will be my fifth hundred mile attempt. Um, the last four have been successful, thankfully, but uh, who knows about this one? And um, you've done four. I was thinking you've done three. Yep, I know I've done, I've done, uh, well, if you include the 24 hour where I yeah, covered I include, I include. Mm-hmm. Yep, <clears throat> I, I did, I started with Massanutten and then I did Thunder Rock. Mm, I forgot that one. In Tennessee, and then, or I did Massanutten and then I did the 24 hour Black Mountain Monster, and then I did Thunder Rock, and then okay. I did Hellbender, and now I'm doing Hellbender again. Gotcha. So we talked last week about the expert problem. Would you say you're no longer able to give, uh, good ultramarathon advice to begin with? <laughs> no, I would not say that. <laughs> I would not say that. No, I mean, ultra, run, ultra running is like one of those things that, I mean, I mean, I guess you could say this about everything where the more you do it, the more you learn, of course. But, um, you know, it, 
I've you know five races is certainly certainly makes me know you know long term expert right I mean you know I'm still having to I haven't done this in a year and so I'm having to kind of go back and rethink everything and get back into the mindset of of what it's going to be like you know and try to picture myself during the race which you know so it's not like I'm just towing the line having not thought about the race at all so right um, no I mean and and that that even goes with 50ks you know it's while I don't stress about 50ks it's like I used to, um, you know, there's still, it's still a long way to run and you still have to like be prepared mentally, physically, emotionally for, for being out there, you know, for so long. Yeah. But I think a lot of that, I mean, I'm sure all hobbies are this way or many of them, but, uh, I do think there is a wisdom that comes with, with doing it more that you just, every time you just do it, you just, uh, lessen by a lot, especially the first few, uh, that risk of just, total terrible day because you, yeah you know completely ran the wrong pace or just made a right. disaster you just you get a lot smarter about yeah you with the decisions you make and how you handle yourself in certain situations and yeah you know i mean you just like and you i more than anything i think is that you gain confidence that you can do it and that you can get through the like really crappy low points um mm-hmm. and then if you just keep going that you'll come out the other end and, and you'll probably bounce back um you know and you gain some confidence in that and that's actually what what went wrong with me at hellbender last year was i fell apart at mile 80 and um never was able to kind of get my head back on straight so i I mean i finished Mm -hmm. but it's just it was like a miserable 20 miles which is it was like five or six hours you know of me walking (laughs) yeah it took it took ultra running for me to learn that as well i think uh I, i don't know when i know we've said this before you and i've talked about this but I don't know when it was um, that when I was a marathoner, I I just thought if you if you messed up and you went out too fast and you crashed, that that was the end of your day, right? Like you you then limped to the finish line or whatever it takes to finish, and you beat yourself up, and then you're done, and your day was was you messed up, and that happened to me several times. But then with ultra running, yeah, I realized you like there's time to to do that and then you actually have enough time to start feeling better again and then you can come back and and run again which i think is uh you know i mean it's definitely unique to ultra running there's not that kind of time really in a marathon but uh it gives you that opportunity to learn that lesson about yourself Mm -hmm. that you know you think you're done and you're actually not which then goes back to that um that i think it's david goggins i know it's david goggins i think what he says is that most of us think we're finished at about 40 percent of what the actual effort we have or the, in mm. the tank, um, which I think maybe came from his, his, uh, whatever military Navy seals, all that background, not just ultra running, but, uh, I like that. I, I get inspired when I hear that quote. I, I think it's, it's interesting how much just untapped there is that most people will never tap in, or need to. But, uh, when you do something like this, you can kind of, you, you have opportunities to discover it. Yeah, Definitely. I think that's pretty cool. And I think you can discover that at, you know, a 50K, you know, you can discover it at a hundred mile or, or, or beyond, but I mean, I don't think it takes running a hundred miles to necessarily begin. No, to, definitely not. To I think, that. I think I learned it in a 50K actually. Yeah. Because I mean, you're, it's three or four more, more hours you're out there potentially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's, that's a lot more time. So, yeah. Anyway, good. Any, uh, so you got your crew sheets all made crew up? Crew sheets are all made up. That? I got this from... Matt Frazier, the one and only, after his... <laughs> and I got it from Brian and Powell. you got it from Brian Powell. <laughs> the one and only, who we had on our podcast a long yeah. time ago. Um, yeah, no, I, so I have, like, notes for each of the aid stations and 
got all my food organized and gear organized. It's gonna there's like ninety percent chance of thunderstorms both tomorrow and Saturday. So mm-hmm. um it's nice. I'm you know, I'm expecting some rain and you know, so I've got multiple pairs of shoes and got it all I got it all figured out, I th- I hope, you know. Yeah. I can't right. I can't blame the gear <laughs> if if something yeah. goes wrong. You can blame your crew of some good. <laughs> yeah. Dang it, mom. <laughs> <laughs> if you mess up an ultra, it's definitely your mom's fault. Yeah. Do you have a crew sheet note that says to ask you if your uh, pee is red? or No, I, I didn't talk about my pee in the crew sheet notes. No? No, I should. That's... that's I should. I mean, that should be. I. Oh, mine had had a questions you should ask mm-hmm. me category, and eventually it was things like, "Did you? Are you peeing? And have you? I don't know. Done different bodily functions. Uh, but that one. I mean, you doing a hilly one. That's that's a particular fear, right? That that you get the adrenal. No, that not adrenal. The uh, is it renal? Is that what it's called? Renal failure, mm-hmm. where your kidneys fail on you, and then you start peeing blood. Yep. And I had that one time. I remember yeah. that, right? Um, so you should get, get that on your sheet. I should. I, def- I have. There's a couple of notes in there that are like, no matter what, make me apply lube. You know, so like things that are, or like certain sock changes at certain places where, like, no matter what, even if I say I'm fine, make me do it. Wow, it's kind of like uh, <laughs> that with the guy from Greek mythology who tied himself to the ship <laughs> and wouldn't let it when he goes by the sirens, he wouldn't let his crew <laughs> let, untie yeah. him. <laughs> It's a big move, Doug. And well, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's like little things, but you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, it. It's one of those things that, especially lube, for me. And I don't, I don't know. Do you ever have you ever had chafing issues? Are you a chafer? Yeah, I mean, if I don't put the stuff on, then I'll I'll definitely yeah. get. And it's one of the, it's one of those things that like sometimes you you get like a little irritation and you're like it's not that bad or or you. Um, you know, you're just not feeling anything yet, but you haven't applied any for a while, and then all of a sudden you're like, an hour and a half away from an aid station, and just it feels <laughs> it's like it's like all over right. everything, you know. And you're like, oh my god, right. <laughs> like what do I do now? Um, and and by the time you can apply it, it's too late. So there are certain things that you know, I just I feel very strongly if I want to stay on top of certain issues, then I've got to do it, even if I don't feel like I need to. Yes, and when you said all over everything, it reminded me of uh, our first episode that ever got the explicit tag on <laughs> yeah. it before Russell Simmons uh-huh. did. Uh, I, I always mention that Russell Simmons episode. Yeah, you do. Guess that we had on just the fact that the fact that we had him on. I know, I know he's had he's had a little history since then, but uh, <laughs> I, it just seems like such an odd guest for us to have on. So I like that we did. Um, um, yeah, the the infamous anyway. Poison Ivy episode where I talked about uh, yes. many private areas for an hour and a half. Yeah. So go listen to that one if you if you're interested in Doug's <laughs> that was Doug's uh, ugh, adventures. Ugh, it gets me makes me cringe just thinking about it. All right, well Doug, we should get to our replay episode. Uh, before we do though, we should we should mention that this episode of Romeo Athlete Radio is brought to you by Whoop, the performance tool that is changing the way people track their fitness and optimize their training. You know, you know what I was thinking about Whoop? Whoop? What? Doug? <laughs> if I founded Whoop. And and I don't know what they did, but if I had found it, founded Whoop, then like especially during the early days when you were just making a couple sales or like getting partnerships or whatever, every time I'd make a sale, I would have like a button that you push and it goes, Whoop, there it is. <laughs> of course you. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm sure they did like that. strobe yeah, lights. To. Oh yeah, totally. Like, you have to. How can you have a company called Whoop and not like Whoop, right. there it is. You think they would have used Whoop There It Is or Woot There It Is? Because this may have been before your time, Doug, but there were two songs that came out 
in the same like three month period. One of them was whoop, there it is, and one was whoop, there it is. With a T? You know that? Yeah. Wait, it's not whoop? As in. It was not. No, no, there were two. One was whoop, I think, with an MP at the end of it, and then and then somebody made whoop. Oh my god, mind blown. Like the same I thought thing. it was. I always. My whole life I've thought it was whoop. I don't know. I mean, it's quite possible this is wrong. <laughs> I'm not exactly it. I was not a music fan growing up. Uh, no, it's both. It's Whoop and it's Woot. There's two songs. And neither of them are Woot. They were on, they used to be on, you remember The Box? Did you ever watch The Box? No. It was this cable channel. It was like, it was supposed to be an MTV or VH1 thing, but it just played videos and it was called The Box. And that's, that's where these songs were. That was, this was like the heyday of, of The Box. Anyway, let's get back to the, <laughs> yeah, end, let's get we? back to Woot, <laughs> which apparently I wouldn't play that song because it's not even what they say. Well, they say whoop, so. <laughs> anyway, whoop provides a wrist-worn heart rate monitor that pairs to their app that provides analytics and insights on recovery, strain, and sleep. That is what makes whoop so unique. It helps you know when your body's recovered or when it needs rest by getting to know your nervous system through heart rate variability and quality of sleep. It even has a built-in sleep coach that looks at the user's day and previous sleep performance and provides optimal sleep times to ensure the user is fully recovered the next day Based on your personal goal. I, I have a feeling that after my 100 miler is done, it's going to tell me I need to sleep a lot. Yeah, you'll probably get a 0% recovery. Yeah, probably get it. I probably will. <laughs> Whoop monitors heart rate 100 times per second, 24-7, to give you full insight into your day so you can optimize the way you train. And it automatically tracks your workouts and gives you strain scores that let you know how strenuous training was on your body and see even more data like average heart rate, max heart rate, and calories burned. To learn more about the band, app, and insights, visit whoop.com. That's W-H-O-O-P.com. And when you're ready to get started, use code NOMEAT at checkout to save 15%. Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, let's get into the episode. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. After after a week off and then a week of me just kind of suffering through an intro, it's it's good to be back. It's good to have a full episode here with you. Yeah, you're feeling you're feeling better, Doug. You're not gonna you're not gonna be hacking up a storm in the microphone. Like you know, I don't time. think so. It's like this weird lingering uh, congestion, but no, I feel great. I feel fired up and and ready to talk about ultra marathons. That's right. Yeah, I mean the sick thing. It just uh, it appears to be a fact of life of having children is they just. They just bring sickness into the house. They attract it because they can't fight it very well. And, uh, you know, that's that's what happens. So it's good. We, we've got linger. I mean, I feel like all, all winter somebody's halfway sick. But never never is anybody really sick. That's kind of the good thing. That's We don't we don't have to go get antibiotics very often or, you know, miss school. Do it. There's just always little things. So. Do, you think, do you think your kids being vegans helps them? I mean, I am so hesitant to come out and say that. I just I just don't have any scientific reason why that is. I don't know how often normal kids get sick. I don't know. Uh, if we weren't talking to millions of people, would you would you say that? <laughs> well, I don't think we're talking to millions of people. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. They, okay. they, you know, I feel like we go to the doctor far less than than people who I talk to when I talk about their kids going to the doctors and mm. going on antibiotics. Yeah, I don't know. But it could, that could just be that it is our personal approach is to kind of let things heal on their own right. and not rush to the doctor, not rush to the antibiotics. You know, so I have no idea if 
if the dye has anything to do with that or not. I'd like to think that it does, but I'm I'm not willing to go out on record and say this is what's happening. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. So anyway, we're talking ultra marathons today, which you just did one not that long ago, right? Yeah, I did one uh, what two weeks ago? Yeah, a forty miler. Can we count a forty miler as an ultra, though, Doug? I don't really know. I think we can. I think that's significantly enough. I know. Uh, <laughs> you know, I used to, when I when I was getting into ultra running, the people who I was with, and this is this is a long time ago now. So even ultra running is very different now. They they were saying they would say things like, "You haven't run a real ultra until you run a hundred miler," which I just had such a hard time believing, and I never did buy that. But I just couldn't believe people said that. I and like this was like the you know the grizzled veterans who who would say, "If it's not a hundred miles, then it's not a real ultra." And if and if you don't finish under twenty four hours, you also didn't run an ultra. Oh, I don't like that at all. I don't either. I, I, I've never ridiculous. heard that. I've never really? gotten that. No, I've never gotten that kind of uh, feedback from anybody. I, you know, I think of I think in general people, you know, encouraging anybody to do a fifty k or anything. So of course, I mean, you know, certainly the hundred miler is a badge of honor, uh, without a doubt. And then the twenty four hours kind of the, or the sub twenty four hours kind of the, you know, if you did that, then. That's something to brag about. That's like right. really one of the very few timed, you know, things. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today. But, you know, one of the very few things that people want to brag about are their time is if they go sub 24. Yeah, I think you're right about that. It, I mean, in my limited experience with 50 milers, I think I did two of them and I did a um, 12-hour race that I got a little over 50 in. People, no one really cared about that. Right? It, there was no... Uh, no big like breaking the 12 hour barrier or breaking the 10 hour barrier in right. in 50 but for some reason when you get to 100 then it's 24 just because 24 is 24 so yeah and, and you know yeah 100 miles in a day you know there's that and uh right and then a lot of ultras will do a lot of 100 milers will do you know different belt buckles for sub 24 versus right right over 24 but, but you know but i think that that's changing a little bit because um in part because of movies like the Barkley Marathons documentary and that kind of thing where where now when when I say that I run a 100 mile race you know they're always you know all, the only thing that most people can understand is Barkley's which is what they watch this little documentary about I have um, this. I don't know anything about this you don't know anything about this Not you're like the one person <laughs> in the running community wow uh, you should watch it. it's on Netflix it's about you know do you know what the Barkley Marathons is no Oh, it's this uh it's this race in Tennessee that only oh, fif- I do 15 people have finished. It's the yeah. one where it's those loops that are hard you have to navigate and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And anyway, there's a documentary about it on Netflix that ah, okay. became like a, a you know, definitely broke out of the running culture mm-hmm. or like the running world. You know, we talk about some vegan documentaries as being ones that break out. Yep. That everybody's seen. Well, this was definitely one of those. And uh you know, if I say if, if somehow it comes up that I I've run a hundred mile race. Like that's the only one that they, a lot of people know of and, and can relate to. Um, Hmm. And so now I think that like 24 hour thing is is shifting a little bit because people are running these harder races that where 24 is, there might only be a couple people, if anybody who who goes under 24. Has, uh, has Z dog MD done a little video where he watches that movie and, and makes fun (laughs) of it? (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably right. Um, anyway. Yeah. So, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that's uh, you know I, I'm surprised actually that that some of the other stuff like that uh, the the Western States documentary Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty good, nice one. That but I guess maybe that's just not quite as extreme enough to to be get that mainstream attention. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think that that kind of, uh, unfortunately, that documentary came in under the, or before the Netflix era. Mm. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, I for, for the record, I felt like I had run an ultra as soon as I ran a 50K. I, I didn't yeah. really buy into any of that stuff. Definitely when I did a 50, that, like, 50 mile for me was, was like, the goal. The reason I was doing a 50K was so that I could eventually do a 50 miler. So it didn't feel like I've now done all I wanted to. But but when I did the 50 miler, I had no plans to do 100. So, um, you know, the 50 was kind of the goal the whole time. But that 50K, you know, when I did that, I felt like I had run an ultra because it took two hours longer than a marathon, maybe more than that. Uh, and it was harder and it was on trails and it was, I got lost and it was just yeah. an entirely different thing. So, right. Which, yeah. See, and see, that's the thing is it, it, some people, and I don't, you know, I really don't hear this very often. I've heard it from a couple of elites who are, uh, elitists themselves. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I really don't, I really don't buy the whole, any, that a 50 K is not an ultra marathon. I, I absolutely think it's an ultra marathon and, and, and more than anything, it gets you into this ultra marathon mindset, which I think we're going to discuss a little bit today, but where, you know, where you're, you're going on trails, it takes so much longer. You have to really change the way you're eating and pacing yourself and all these things. And, um, and it's just a totally different race than a marathon, and it's it should it's treated as it's treated differently, and it should be you know admired as being something different than than right. a marathon. Right. But our assertion in the name of this podcast episode is basically why your why your ultra marathon is closer than you think. So yes. although it is a very very different experience, and although it's something uh, a big accomplishment that you need to be proud of, or you should be proud of, because you can't just go out there and do it. I mean, you could, but it would be extremely painful. Uh, you know, just because it's closer than you think and it's maybe within reach and achievable, <clears throat> that's not to take away from it and say it's easy. It still requires a lot of, uh, you know, not just, not just training, not just like the actual putting in the time and getting yourself up to those more com- comfortable with those longer mileages, uh, but also it's a different kind of skill set, I think, in your head and a different mindset, which is what we're going to talk about. Um but I think that I think sort of the the paradox is although it requires all this different stuff and it, that makes it difficult and an accomplishment to be proud of that it's uh, for me it's stuff that was really quite pleasant to learn and do mm. like I just feel like I don't know even the first fifty mile the training for the first fifty mile that I did and the race day experience and you know the whole the whole six months leading up to it was just a much more pleasant thing than the six months, than really a year before that when I was trying to qualify for Boston and, and like how that training went. Like when I think about ultra training, it was a lot of just long, slow miles where I had headphones on and I was listening to stuff and I found it really nice and I looked forward to my runs and it was great compared to that, that Boston stuff where it was all the speed work and all these really hard tempo runs. Not to say that I didn't get a lot out of those and, you know, looking back, really enjoy that process, but like, that was really hard work that was much different from ultra training which didn't honestly feel like hard work it felt like just kind of had it having the dedication and discipline to getting out there and running far every day but it it didn't feel like suffering the way that you know honestly a lot of the marathon training does yeah yeah i mean that's that's kind of an interesting question is like does do most people does anyone really have fun training for a marathon right you know and I mean, I mean I'm sure that some people will, and, and and a lot of people will enjoy the experience, right? I mean, you know, setting the goal, having the discipline, going out there day after day and then running the race, like 
that, you know, as an experience, that is something very enjoyable and you can learn a lot about yourself and take a lot from that. But how mm-hmm. like those workouts, I, for me anyway, they just, they're just not fun. Whereas my ultra workouts where I'm, you know, running trails, where I'm having these kind of big fun days in the mountains where, right. you know, where I can listen to an audiobook or a podcast or, or run with friends and, you know, run at a conversational pace basically the entire time where we can talk and hang out the whole time. Like, to me, that's a lot more fun. Right. Right. So we're kind of making uh, the assumption here that you don't do speed work for ultra running and you have to do it for marathon training, which isn't totally fair, right? There are, oh, there not are at all. plenty of ultra, ultra coaches and runners who think that speed work is an important part of it. Uh, I, I would say it's not universal, but, but not too far from universal that you, you can do less speed work for ultra running or need to do less or there's less benefit than there is for trying to run a fast marathon or fast half marathon. Um, but you know, I, but I think there's, it's even, even with, even taking that out of it, right. Uh, it's still, I found it so much more pleasant to train for ultras than marathons because when I think about training for that first marathon, I don't know, like getting up to, to 16 and 18 and 20 miles, it just always felt like a struggle because even though it wasn't a speed workout, it was a long run. It was the opposite of a speed workout there was still this time thing in the back of my head that said, I got to keep an eye on my watch and I got to make sure I'm not more than whatever I was trying to do one minute off of my goal race pace or, you know, whatever the actual amount was. And it varied depending on what kind of training program I was doing, but there was always this urgency with it that like I had to make sure I hurried up and I better not have a surprise, have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the run (laughs) because that would cost me three minutes that I would never get back. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I, so I think, when I say more pleasant, like I just found it ultra running. Like once that whole time thing is entirely out the window, maybe up until the point when you're trying to run 24 hours in a hundred, you know, it's, it's just not even, you don't even think about it. So you just go out and just run. And then to me, that kind of changed the whole thing. Like suddenly there's, there's no feeling of being watched over by the clock, right? Like what that you, that you need to make sure you are on pace or something. It's just gone. And you can just go out there and relax and like totally lose yourself in whatever you're listening to or thinking about. And for me, that's, that's kind of what encapsulates the different mindset that there is around ultra running, uh, versus marathon training or even half marathon training. But there are lots of other really specific examples that, you know, things that come as a result of that, like the walking the hills idea, which is probably the second most, uh, the thing that most jumps out at me, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, hold on, before we get ahead. to the hills, I, I do, I, I think, uh, I'd be doing all of my coaching clients in, in a disservice here by, by <laughs> completely not, you know, completely writing off timing because, uh, a lot of people do have time goals still, you know, they're a lot looser, of course, uh, but they might have some sort of time goal. And, and I think that that's, that's totally fine. If you want to bring that into an ultra, when it's your very first race, if you're new to a 50 K or a 50 miler, um, or if you're new to even a course, then, you know, just, it becomes more, much more about finishing the race than, than anything else. Uh, whereas if you, if you were, you know, able to easily run 10 miles, then a, then a half marathon or something like that wouldn't, being so much about finishing the race, you'd probably be going for a, for a goal time. Uh, right. Um, and, and for beginners, that's, that is perfect or for in a casual ultra runner, that's perfect. I, you know, I do think that if you want to improve and get faster then uh, you know, there is going to be a little bit of speed work. Um, if you want to be more competitive or anything like that, of course, there's going to be some speed work in there, but for your average 
mid-packer who's running one or two ultras a year or just running one and a one and done type thing that's where that shift really kind of uh happens Mm -hmm. i yeah i i could buy that i i would add that for me i never ran an ultra on the same course twice right and because there's such variation in courses like you might run a 10 hour 50 mile one place and a 12 hour 50 mile somewhere else and and you know you might have been more fit for the 12 hour race because it was just that much different of a course like there's that huge variation in courses so because of that i never had any sort of like preconceived notion of what time i should be running on this new course i'm running i guess you could i guess you could compare it and look at how much you know elevation change there is and all that and say well then i should do this if i did this one here Uh, yeah i mean you can look at previous year's finish times and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, a perfect example is is this 100 mile that I'm training for right now. Um, the last one I ran took me 25 hours and I expect this one to take me about seven hours more to to uh, to finish. Hmm. Um, and that's not because I'm seven hours more out of shape. It's because it's going to be, you know, at least that much harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I'm in the best shape I am of my life, which is, was my goal at New Year's <laughs> for my New Year's resolution right. to start that race in the best shape I've ever been, then I, you know, I still think it's going to take me significantly longer to finish because the course is that much more difficult. So it's not about a PR. It's not about um, really a finish time at all. You know, if, as long as I finish that race, I'm going to be totally happy. Uh, but as I'm kind of planning it out in my head, you know, I'm, I'm anticipating it being that much longer. Right. Gotcha. And I'm okay with that because it's yeah. not about the time. Right. And that, and that is, very different from from marathon training. I mean, because with marathons, like I always wanted to pick a fast course because I wouldn't want to go do a marathon that I knew was going to be hard, unless it was like a really different one, like the like the Pikes Peak thing, where it was like just to go do that special marathon and right. understand that it was going to be a bad time compared to any other time you run in a marathon. Um, but for the most part with marathons, like that, I don't know. I was just pick the fastest course possible because the point of running a marathon is to get the fastest time you can. Yeah. Well, so. the perfect the perfect example is when you tell somebody you when you tell a runner you've run a marathon. The very first question they ask is, "Oh, what, what's your PR or what was your time? What was your finish time?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whereas when you if you tell your neighbor, by the way, they say, "How long was the marathon?" How long <laughs> they say, one? "Oh, one of those five k five k marathon." <laughs> yeah. My my twelve year old ran one yesterday. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, but if you then you, if you tell an ultra runner. Uh, that that you you know ran your first ultra, then they'll say, oh, which one? Or you know, if they if they if you say, you know, yeah, I, I've I just ran a hundred mile. They want to hear about the experience, right? They want right. to hear about all your your struggles and what you you know, just all the stories and all the like experience of that race. And um, and no one really cares about time. You know, it's possible it might come up, but it's not like you're comparing times against each other in the same way that people do with the marathon, right? All right, good. So uh, let's get into some of the specifics about why. You know, let's back up our case that the ultramarathon is closer than than you may think if you're a runner. Yes. Um, let's first mention why we're doing this to to spread the word somewhat about uh, this new program that you've put together for us. It is totally free. You can go get it at what's the URL? Go no nomadathlete.com slash go dash ultra. That's right. Yeah, right there. Go ultra. Go ultra. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it is it is your ten week ultra marathon starter kit slash starter plan that Doug, if I'm if I'm not mistaken here, it is kind of the like the bridge between if you're a half marathon runner, you've done a half marathon, or maybe you've run a marathon, but it's been a long time, then this is kind of the thing that to do that would get you ready to train for a fifty miler. Because I think there's a lot of people. I'll let you correct me if I'm wrong there, but there, but I know there are a lot of people who 
we get this question all the time. I'm ready to step up into the ultra world. I've done a marathon or I've done a 20 mile trail race. Like what do I need to know? What's the difference? And that's what this 10 weeks program is just kind of to get you in this new, you know, used to this different type of mileage, different type of training runs, uh, no speed work, I don't think. And that's the point. Is that fair? Yeah, that's absolutely fair. So, you know, and, and I would say that it's even if you're coming off a half marathon, then it's to get you ready for a 50K, not just a 50 miler, like you mentioned. But Did um, I say 50? I didn't mean 50 miler. I'm sorry. I meant 50K. Yeah. So, you know, if, if um, you know, it's basically is it exactly that, a, a way to transition your, your training from from either just, you know, casual, I haven't really been training recently, to to getting ready to train for a, an ultra marathon or uh, if you've been doing a ton of speed work, you've been trying to get really fast at a, at a half marathon or something like that, then, then this is going to kind of shift it towards uh, what ultra marathon training looks like. If you can get through this, then you can start those uh, those 50K plans or, or a 50-mile plan or something like that. So um, that's that that's the point here is to just kind of get you ready and to shift your gear or your training into the, into the ultra marathon training. And there is very little speed work. There's a little bit of hill work. There's a little bit of progression runs that kind of thing just to get the leg turnover a little bit but really it's all about that kind of long slow distance and making sure you can handle the handle the mileage handle the the time on your feet good so if you're hearing this in late winter like when we are putting it out then uh then you could you could in theory do this 10-week program and then get started with say a 20-week 50k program and you could be running a 50k by fall that's if, exactly right. If we are correct that you're closer than your ultra marathon than you think. So <laughs> our our assertion, Doug, is that if you can run a half marathon, you can run an ultra, which is kind of a little bit little bit uh, extreme, maybe. Risky. Risque. Yeah. I mean, Scott Jurek has gone much further and said anyone can run an ultra marathon. I guess he means within reason. And I mean, you know, barring, you know, certain disabilities or things that would just make someone make it impossible. But I don't think that, I don't think there are too many of those. I think for the most part, he's probably right. If you really want to run an ultra marathon, most people can probably find a way to get that done given enough time. Uh, and assuming you're someone who, who, you know, is, is able to dedicate yourself to something and delay gratification and put in the work and put in the time. Um, but we, you know, practically speaking, if you've run a half marathon, I think you're not all that far from a 50K. Yes, it's harder than a marathon, and and it, it probably takes longer for you to train to get there than it would take you to get to ultra, to, to marathon distance. Because I honestly think if you've run a half marathon, even if you've suffered through it, like if someone two weeks later said, you have to go run a marathon today, you could probably slow down by 30% and get that done, uh, even if it really hurt, and not to take anything away from what a half marathon is or a marathon is. But I just think there's not a major shift other than a doubling of the distance. There's not the major change to trail running in this different mindset that's required. Mm -hmm. So um, what I would ask you, Doug, to defend here is we sometimes on this podcast, specifically in the older days when we talked more about ultra marathons, when I was doing them more frequently and we were kind of both doing them and we just talked about them a lot. Some people would come to us and say they really liked listening to us talk about that stuff, but they just thought we kind of uh you know assumed it was easier than it is for most people to do that mm -hmm. because because we had done it and because we were now comfortable running this distance that you know we kind of forgot what it felt like to not be able to do that and and how daunting it seems to get from half marathon up to 50k so that is what i would like you to address doug if i mean me? No, 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 I think that's great. You being the running coach, like that, I, I remember that very well. What that first time I ever ran 
13 and then 16 and then 18 miles, like what those felt like and, and just how much it felt like surely I was going to get injured this next time I tried to do it because it just felt like so much. It took so much out of me and I could just feel everything hurting. I could feel my form suffering by the end of those. So the thought of like, how am I possibly going to get up to not just a marathon, but up to 50 K and have to think about trails and bigger hills and things like that and different terrain. You know, I can kind of see why someone would say that's, that's crazy. Uh, A hack marathon on roads is so much different from a 50 K on trails. How can you possibly say that I can get there, you know, with, with a 10 week program and then a 20 week program, say of, uh, you know, half a year's worth of work. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, so I think that there are, uh, there are three big things that kind of I hear and and you might have some more and and I'd like to address those if if you hear them as well, but there's three big concerns or or doubts that people have uh, when they think about, you know, I, there's no way I could run an ultra marathon. And so the first one is like, you know, maybe not the type of person who can do that. I I don't have that skill set or I don't have that ability to do it. Uh, the second one is I don't have the fitness or I've never be able to get that fitness level. And then the third is, is maybe it's like the time that it would take to train for an ultra marathon. I don't have mm-hmm. that. So, so those are the big three I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on in this conversation. And, uh, if you have some others, I'd love to hear them. But so the, t- the first one, the type of person, I'm, I'm not the type of person who can train for an ultra. You have to be an elite person. You have to, I don't know, just have some mega fitness. Uh, and I would say that that is, completely false there's a big misconception because if you can train for a half marathon then you've proven that you have discipline right you've gone out and started the training plan you go out there and and get in the workouts you've proven that you have the ability to struggle through certain long runs i mean you know maybe the long runs are only 10 or 11 miles not only as in that's not very much but compared to marathon or ultra marathon training that you know that might not be all that long but but you have the ability to kind of get through that. And those first times you run 10 miles, I mean, that is a long way. It's a long, you know, your body's going to fatigue and it will feel like this uber long run. Um, and you and you got through it, right? You, so you had the, the courage and the ability to stick through it, to see it through. Um, and then, you you know, you had this kind of, you know, you went there, out there on race day and you, you put it in, you put in the work and you got through and ran, got to the finish line, right? So... Um, if you can do that, if you can do those type of things, those three things, then you can take on and tackle an ultra marathon training plan. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. I think uh, I think what what you're kind of getting at when, you, when someone says I'm not the type of person to do that, I think when I used to think about what an ultra runner was, because I know your second one addresses fitness. So aside from fitness, when I used to think about what ultra running was, and I think that both of us had the experience where we we had run marathons and kind of assume that was all there was to do and then we heard someone tell us about another race mm-hmm. and like thought it was like i remember the first time i heard about a 100 mile race i thought it was a mistake i thought someone had miscommunicated <laughs> with someone else and they said this kid that i knew had run 100 miles and i was it's just not possible because i knew how i felt after a marathon and i thought you just can't do sure. that four times so um i think what people think when they think of an ultra marathon runner is they assume it's someone who has some superhuman ability to just endure pain aside from the fitness right aside from assuming that they're not necessarily of superhuman fitness then it must be some superhuman ability to just endure pain and you know suffer and just take this beating and not quit and i think like one of the really cool things about ultra running is you get better at that and you do train that in and like that is that is a very real thing and i think i think the urge to actually quit for me 
even though I said the whole training experience and everything was more pleasant, the urge to actually quit and just stop in the middle of a race and say, I'm just not going to finish today, uh, that actually was much greater in, in the 50Ks and the 50 milers that I did. It didn't really happen in the 100 all that much, but it did happen in those other ones so much more than with marathons. Uh, so, I mean, that is a very real thing, but I think what what so much of the training process does, rather than necessarily improving your physical fitness, because, you know, you could argue that it does in some ways, and in other ways, you neglect some more of this, some of the speed work stuff, or you can, uh, and so some parts of your physical fitness don't improve, but what kind of without a doubt to me does is your ability to endure, your ability to not quit. It's not something that you just have, and that makes you an ultra runner. It's something that because you've decided you're going to run an ultra, you develop it. It just it just happens as a result of doing longer runs and you know getting used to spending more time on your feet and getting used to going a little bit further when you feel like it'd be nice to stop now. So certainly, I think you have to endure more. You have to maybe put up with a little bit more pain of a different kind than uh, than the half marathon or marathon pain. Where those, I think, about a lot of a lungs and total body fatigue. Whereas ultra running, it just gets to the point where it just hurts your legs to keep running. At least for me, it did, <laughs> and you right. just badly want to stop. Uh, yeah, but I think I think you learn that, and I think it's uh, it's not that people who do this are somehow different. It's just that they they have kind of taught themselves to not quit, and I think that's one of the coolest things that ultra marathon training does for you. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's uh, and and that trans transfers out of the running, just you know, just yeah. running. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I and I think you're absolutely right. It's all about tackling the training and being able to. Um, you know, to teach yourself that because the first time you run 13 miles, I mean, I, you know, I remember very clearly the, when I was training for my first marathon. I mean, I, I remember the exact route and everything when I ran my first mm-hmm. 13 mile long run. And I thought that that was just the wildest thing that, that I had ever done, you know, and it hurt and it was terrible and yep. I got done and, and, um, you know, but I was really pleased with myself. That was a, that I had just run 13 miles. But I couldn't imagine doing it again for another 13 to make the marathon. Um, you know, but then, it just got easier and I got better at handling that pain. I got better at pacing myself and doing that kind of stuff so that it was less painful and I got uh, better at not wanting to quit. Um, and as you go throughout the training and as you hit kind of low points on a long run, uh, you get better at learning how to manage those. But if you have the, if you have the ability and you have the, um, the desire to, to train for a half marathon and get through that, then, then you can do you can that can translate to getting through. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Uh, like that makes what we said different from what Scott Jurek said, or, or making us not have to not have to qualify it with assuming you're the type of person who can who can you know put off the gratification and work towards something. Because if you've done a half marathon, then then you are the type of person, right? Just right. by the nature exactly. of a half marathon, it is not easy to do a half marathon if you haven't trained. You have to put in training for that, and it's not always fun. And that if you have that, or if you've developed that, whatever it is, then then you have what it takes to, to eventually run an ultra. Yep, exactly. All right, so I want to get to move, transition over to the next kind of mm-hmm. uh, doubt that people have. Yep. And that is fitness. And, um, you know, and it makes a lot of sense, right? If you have only run a half marathon, or um, if you run a marathon, and you hear about someone running further than that, and the and you think back on the amount of pain and discomfort you were in at the last few miles of that half marathon or full marathon, you think that there is absolutely no way I could have kept going. 
Mm-hmm. I was just no way you could do it. I don't. I I couldn't build that fitness. I worked really hard during my half marathon or full marathon training. There's just no way that I could uh, build more fitness and and go further. Right, and that's wrong. You know, <laughs> as a, a surprise, we I think that's wrong. Um, the difference, the big difference, is that it's not more fitness. It's a different type of fitness, right? And because because you're training you're running so differently and racing so differently during a trail marathon or a trail ultra marathon than you would during a road half marathon or full marathon that it isn't, you don't, you don't get the same type of fatigue. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're pacing to get a PR in, in a half marathon, then you're probably running pretty hard. You're, you're running, um, you know, as fast as you can go to sustain yourself for, for 13 miles. And, and chances are you're going to blow up there in the last couple of miles anyway, and you're just going to have to go and grit the last couple of miles to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for an ultra, you're running at a much slower pace. You're much more conversational, much easier pace that um, your heart rate isn't nearly as taxed, your your lungs aren't nearly as taxed, your, your legs aren't working nearly as hard as far as speed and, and turnover goes. Um, and you can do that for a whole lot longer. And the reason why you do that, or the reason why you, you drop into this kind of conversational, this... Uh, we like to call it the all day pace, you know, a pace that you think, feel like you could just kind of keep going all day long. Um, the reason why you do that is because then you won't burn out as quickly. You won't blow up as, as or you won't hit a bonk nearly as quickly. Um, and it is something that you can sustain for a longer period of time. And what that means is that you are hiking some hills, which is something you brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. It means that you are maybe going, um, you know, a lot slower on a downhill than you than you could, uh, but you're doing that on purpose. It means that you're taking time at aid stations to eat and drink and stop and kind of gather yourself, um, which is completely different than at a water station at a marathon where you just grab it and you might even be drinking while you're running. Um, you know, so because you're taking making all these shifts, you're not having to breathe hard all the time. You're not having to, your heart rate is, is staying pretty level and pretty, um, you know, not kind of hitting these kind of max heart rate zones. Uh, and you're able to go a lot longer. So it's not about more fitness. It's about a different type of fitness. Um, and, and, and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I agree with this hundred percent. The, one of the things that, that you get a lot or that, that often I will get after like a talk is, Someone says, what are your tips for, for running a 100 or 50 mile race? Like, how do you possibly get into that when I feel totally exhausted at the end of a half marathon or a marathon? And it just, I think people just have the sense that it is, it is impossible. There's something fundamentally different about you if you can do that, uh, as we've been saying this whole time. But the answer I was up was like, it, it really wasn't a fitness difference. I think you probably said it better, Doug, by saying that it is a different type of fitness that you're developing, uh, it, but it's not, it's not just that same type of fitness that it takes to run a marathon developed to a, you know, twice as high degree. It's not at all that. Right. It's not twice as hard to run a 50-mile race as it is to run a marathon. It's not twice as hard to run 100 as it is a 50. Uh, it just it just takes some something different. And I, and I do think a lot of that actually is mental. And that's what we talked about earlier is that training yourself to kind of be good at not quitting and just kind of starting to provide yourself with evidence that you can go further, which I think is so important. Uh, you mentioned, you know, being exhausted at the end of a half marathon and therefore it feels like that's as far as you can go. But if someone told you, 
you know, the day you were ready to go run your half marathon, if they said, oh, by the way, it turns out the race is actually 20 miles. It's not, it's not 13 as planned. So everyone slow your pace down by, by 20% or whatever, uh, and take a two minute walk break at the end of every single mile. Like you could do that 20 miles. Even if you're just in shape, you think to run 13 miles. Because when you when you drop your pace by that much, like I don't think you just can run twenty percent further. It, like you're you're when you race a half marathon, you're, I think you're kind of on the cusp of this zone where if you drop that intensity, not that much, twenty percent maybe, you get into a new physiological zone where, like you said, it's kind of the all day pace. And now you can you can go not twenty percent further, but maybe fifty or a hundred percent further, just because you you dropped into this much more relaxing zone. Uh, where, to be honest, you're, it's also way more enjoyable because you're not in fight or flight where you're kind of all you can do is focus on ha- running and when can I stop running. You know, you can actually just relax and enjoy yourself, right. um, especially when, when once you just throw off that, that urgency of the clock and just let your mind not even think about that and just think about enjoying what you're doing. So that's that's such a huge difference. I know when I ran my 100-miler, my dad was um, one of the people who helped crew me, and he was amazed at when I finished the first 25 miles of it because there was a crew check-in point i think at that maybe that was only the second time i saw them um he just couldn't believe i had run a marathon at that point and didn't look like i had really done anything yet and <laughs> and that was like the first time it hit me that, that i was like wow that that's really true i have and, and i didn't feel like i was in any real really better shape you know universally better shape than when i was a marathoner it just felt like i had learned this new ability to run that amount of distance without really feeling anything Mm-hmm. And I think that's people like just can't really, unless you've done it, you can't really grasp or believe that you will get to that point where you could run that far. But that's what that different pace is. And, and you know, a lot of it is mental and this, and kind of learning the strategy, like you said, Doug, of like walking the hills. And with that marathon or with that 100 miler, I was walking five minutes for every 25 minutes of running from the beginning. And that's, I mean, that's so different from what you would do in a marathon. You just, yeah. You, do you remember how long that, that first marathon took you? Any idea? I think it was in the in the six hour range because I was at that point thinking about twenty four hours for the hundred, mm-hmm. and all that only went out the window after half of it. Once I hit this major mud section, and then then you know for a little while wondered if I would finish at all. But uh, yeah, I was I must have been pretty close to that. So that was the difference between running a six hour marathon and then you know just just two maybe two years before that I had run maybe three years before that I'd run the the three ten to get to Boston. So like that's that's yeah twice as long it took me to do it. And right. so, like, no wonder. And the fact that I had trained all that, then no wonder it looked like I hadn't really done any work. So the point is, uh, you can get to that point. But, uh, you know, you you I sort of developed an alertness for, like, I, this didn't really happen with marathons because with marathons, your, your heart rate is higher all the time. Um, but I started to develop this this alertness that said, like, if I'm, I must be on some gradual hill now because suddenly I feel like I'm just going too hard. And, mm-hmm. and like alarm bells go off in a hundred mile or a 50 mile race that say you immediately need to get out of this higher heart rate zone because you're just not going to finish if you're already getting into that now. So that's something I, I just sort of like developed this ability to just notice when I was working too hard, whether it was, even if it was just hiking up a hill too fast, but noticing that this is too hard and you're not going to be able to sustain this, you know, 10 or 15 hours from now. So yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, so I use my breath as, as a big indicator for me and mm-hmm. uh, for me to be able to see how, how hard I'm going and, and to kind of cut back when I need to, if I'm, if I'm breathing too hard, uh, you know, if I'm really just 
sucking air, then, um, then I've done something, I've done something wrong. <laughs> you know, I need to, I need to cut back and I need to slow down right. uh, and check with myself. So, you know, it, that that's kind of just this, this gauge that you learn over time. You learn how to manage your effort level, um, in a way that, uh, that you can sustain it for a long period of time. And Whereas, then, you know, during a marathon, you're probably breathing pretty hard most of the time. Right. And so the upside of this, just like the upside of running a marathon compared to a 5k is that yes, it's a lot longer, but you're a lot more comfortable for most of the race, right? Like for, mm-hmm. for a marathon, the first 18 miles, it, it doesn't really feel like work. And that's how same way with the, with the ultra marathon, right? For the first like 80% of that race, it, it probably shouldn't feel very hard. You're going at such a low intensity. You're walking even so frequently for certain people. Like that's what I did. Um, that, that it isn't that different from if you were to go out in the woods and go hiking, right? Like it's not hard work and granted hiking, I know it can be work, but it's not, you're, it, it's just a more enjoyable pace because the intensity isn't there. There's still going to be that part at the end when it's really hard, just like there is in a marathon or a half marathon. Uh, you're going to reach the point where like it is very hard, but for most of the race, the vast majority of it, it's even more enjoyable than it is at a marathon or half marathon distance. Yeah. Because you're not you're not putting forth that effort. You you just have to keep moving forward, but you can't make let yourself go fast enough to be in discomfort, or you won't finish. Right. And and when you do hit that hard point, it it'll be different. You'll be tired. Uh, you maybe maybe your legs are tired or or something like that. You're bonking because you're out of energy. But it, it's it's not this like, oh my gosh, I'm just you know, I cannot. My heart rate is so high, and I just can't. I can't fathom taking another step. <laughs> kind of thing. Right. Right. Um, my legs are going to collapse. But all right, so you know, I do want to. I do want to mention though that so I, you know, I talk about this different type of fitness, um, and I and I I believe that that's what's happening, right? So as you're changing your changing your training to more slower paced training, more trail running, uh, maybe more hill work, um, all this kind of stuff, you're going to lose some of the speed and you're going to lose some of the intensity that you might have gotten from a half marathon or a full marathon training. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all if you are maybe getting really good at 50 mile races and you're, you know, you've run two this year and you feel like you're in great shape, but then you go and run a marathon and you, and you can't PR at it, you know, and you, you miss your PR, mm-hmm. um, because you're, you've kind of shifted the type of training that you're doing um, to gain a different type of endurance, a different type of, of fitness than, than what you had when you were doing, you know, Yasuo 800s or something like that on a regular basis. Yep. Um, so while, you know, while, while it, it, the fitness does change and, and I guess, I guess that's all to say is that it's not double the fitness, right? Um, it's just a different type of fitness. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. So should we shift on to time? We should. I think the conclusion is you don't need to be more fit to run an ultra. You just need to, you just you just need to develop a different type of fitness, and it comes at the expense of another type of fitness. But it's not sure. more fitness, and it's not a superhuman you know god given ability to do it. It's just just like with other running, you just develop this level of fitness. Uh, now now maybe maybe to to win those races, depending on what level of competition it is. Like certainly there's a there's an amount of natural talent. Like I I don't th- think I will ever win a hundred mile race unless I find one that, that nobody registers for maybe, but like, <laughs> you know, like th- certainly th- there's a lot of genetics involved in how you perform, but as far as like how far can you actually get yourself to go? Doesn't really seem like there's a whole lot of, uh, 
that genetics has a whole lot of bearing on that. It seems like most people can get themselves to go as far as they desire to go. Yeah. I guess, I don't know if this needs to be clarified or not, but um, we're not saying that if you just ran a half marathon that you should go out and sign up for an ultra marathon this weekend. Of course right? not. You should first yeah. go to com slash go-ultra. <laughs> go ultra. Right. And then do, a, and then do a, a proper training program. Yeah, I, I hope people will understand that. We're not saying if you can run a mar- half marathon, you can go now do an ultra, but that if you can run a half marathon, you have it in you. You have the ability Right. to train for an ultra and and you know get it done comfortably all right so the third the third hang up is time and and uh this is this is a one that i think i didn't quite appreciate until this year as much uh mm-hmm. as a family man now right. um is that i don't that people say i just there's no way i have the time to train for an ultra marathon and and people say that about marathons people say that about half marathons you know, just anytime that there's something that big that you feel like you need to commit to, uh, it just feels like it'll be such a time suck that you um, you can't do it. Uh, and so the question is then, is does ultramarathon training take up that much more time than uh, marathon training or half marathon training? Hmm. And, um, and, you know, I think it does. Uh, and I think it does take up some more time for sure. Mm-hmm. Part of what is happening, as I guess the the big the best example would be marathon training, right? Uh, or a comparison would be marathon training. Um, part of what's happening is that you're running slower, so so your five mile runs might take a little bit longer uh, because your pace drops a little bit. Um, if you're running them on trails, like you should be doing some of your some of your runs, but it doesn't have to be all of them for sure. Um, if you're running them on trails, that might take a little bit longer because. Um, you know, trail running to take a, typically drops your pace down automatically um, than road running. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the big one, though, is is the long runs. Because you're running more long runs, sometimes back-to-back long runs, where you're doing kind of, say, two 15-mile runs on the same weekend on consecutive days, if you're, um, you know, if you're training for a 50-miler or something like that, um, you know, or maybe if you're, if you're training for a 50-miler or even a, a 50k you might be doing more more runs that are in the 18 to 24 mile range than you would uh during a, a marathon training and certainly of course more than, <laughs> than a half marathon training so that's really where the time time suck comes from is kind of your your weekend long run and you and you should be prepared for that um but as far as like on a weekday basis it's really not going to be that much more time might be a little bit but not that much more time because your runs aren't going to get that much longer they're, um, you know, they're not that much slower. So it's just, uh, you know, if you can kind of factor in an extra 20 minutes here and an extra 30 minutes there, something like that, then um, then you'll be good. But it's not like you have to be trading for four hours every day, you know, five days a week. Right. Yeah, I think this is all very true. Um, and I also acknowledge that it does take longer to train for an ultra marathon, at least the way that I would that I have done it and the way that I would recommend it. And I think you, you do too, Doug. Um, in that you, like we just said, you're focusing more on longer, slower distance and less on speed workouts that take 35 minutes to get done. So like just by the very nature of the type of training you're focusing on now, even if it, even if it, we just said you're still training for a marathon, but now start focusing more on longer, slow distance instead of speed workouts, even that would take a little bit more time, right? So the fact that, that it's a longer race and the training shifts into this different type pretty much guarantees it's going to take longer to do that. Uh, so I'm glad you acknowledged that, Doug. But the the 
part I think people don't quite get, and this this maybe applies more to a 50-mile race than a 50K, but you, I think you just sort of in your head think if a marathon takes this long to train for, then a 50-miler takes twice as long to train mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. And it's just really not true. I mean, like, and this a lot of this goes back to even the long runs. You mentioned that the long runs are one area where it does take more, but I think part of that misconception of it taking twice as long has to do with the fact that people assume incorrectly that your long run distances just need to double and that you're going to be doing 35 and 40 and maybe even up to 45 mile runs in your training for a 50 miler. And you're not, you don't do anything like that. You, most programs that actually get up to 30 miles or 50 K, uh, or even some people have done like back to back marathons or back to back twenties in trying to get ready for the 50. So, you know, yes. That would be that would be epic if you were, if you were doing forty mile long runs uh, training for a fifty mile. <laughs> you would, that would be. I, I want to talk to you. <laughs> you know, I wonder. Like, I I think the the like common knowledge now, or just the the general wisdom, is you couldn't do that because it would just be too hard on your body. So you can't train up to that distance. Uh, but like we a while ago would have said nobody could ever run a marathon every week or every day for 50 days in a row people do that stuff now so yeah i i do wonder if at some point we'll realize that like that whole limitation that that you couldn't do 40 mile training runs very often that even that isn't true but who knows maybe we truly do hit a wall where we just can't do much more than that uh anyway though so yes maybe maybe instead now your average long run it's hard to talk about average because you start so low and get so high but like maybe the average long run time or distance for a 50k or 50 miles compared to a marathon or half is instead of being i don't know 15 miles for an average long run now it's 20 miles for an average long run but all that really means is is that it's an extra hour out of your saturday and maybe another half hour extra or hour extra on sunday and i'm not trying to argue that that's like you know everyone has an extra hour because some people honestly don't uh and and their, their schedule is just that full often because of kids and responsibilities um but the point i'm trying to make is it's not an extra four hours out of every saturday to try to train for an ultra compared to a marathon uh it's just it's it's just not maybe there's a certain saturday where you're doing your longest run and it is but Mm -hmm. it's not like week in week out you're adding six hours of commitment compared to that shorter distance on your weekends uh so you know i noticed some some you know, an extra hour that I would have to kind of put into long run time, meaning instead of being out for, for two to three hours on a Saturday morning, now I was out three to four hours on a Saturday morning. Not every time, but but often. And mm. I think that feels a lot longer when you're out there. Like, right, it's it's hard to run that long, even if it's slower and more pleasant. Um, but if you kind of step back and look at your whole weekend, like assuming that, that you have that time to spend, the difference of, of an hour or two isn't, as big as it seems when you're actually running it right if, to me if you're running that long it feels like you're out there all day it feels like my whole saturday i'm running but it turns out you're actually not <laughs> yeah i mean if you you know if you start at seven or you know start early and then you're home by 11 and home for lunch and yeah um you know so and i, I mean i would say that my weekend or my, my weekday runs actually change a lot when i train especially for the hundred um you know, because with yeah. marathon training, you're just you. I would do like a three to four mile run for my typical easy weekday run, and then for the hundred mile, that became a seven mile run. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, it was it was slower, and and it was I would listen to things, and I would make really good use of that time, and I would really enjoy that time. Uh, so again, not to say that everyone has that time, and just because I was able to squeeze in a seven mile run every day, that everyone else should be able to do that too. I know that some people can't, but 
it's just not that much more time. It, you know, you've, you've, you're yeah. of course you're committing to something bigger and it takes longer, but that's for a hundred mile race. I'm talking about it's, that's right, not yeah. even a fifty. That, I think that things shift a little bit for the hundred mile. We're not we're not really going down that route, right? So um, there you go. But yeah, yeah, there you go. So it takes more time, but not that much more time. And you can be strategic. You know, I mean, so so like I mean, this is, <laughs> going back to hundred mile training, but um, you know, right now I'm you know for this hundred mile that I'm training for, you know, I I'm being really strategic with with where my my like extra long runs are and how I've planned them out. And so that, um, you know, they're on weekends like this weekend, I have a big trading run that, uh, will take all day and cover a lot of distance, but, uh, Katie and Elijah gonna be out of town. So, you know, I was able to kind of schedule that around a day that I was able to you know, commit more time to that. Yeah. Uh, so I guess people might have the, the objection that says like, like I just don't have an hour in my weekdays to get a run in. Um, and I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. But I mean, if that's true, then you probably don't have 45 minutes or 40 minutes either to get a run in for a marathon or half marathon. But people do all kinds of things. And one of the things I kind of learned that it took running on ultra. And by the way, I have another um, common objection that I think you will agree is common, but uh, related to this. What I, what I learned with ultra training was that like a lot of times we would do night runs, like with the group I was training mm-hmm. with. We would go and and not the run wouldn't start till six o'clock and then we'd it'd be dark because it'd be winter time and we'd run and it would take an hour and a half and it'd be pitch black by the time we were done but even pretty dark for the majority of it uh, and after I did that I suddenly realized that you could actually run at nighttime if you wanted to or early in the morning <laughs> when it's dark like that mm-hmm. had just it, not been part of my consciousness before that I didn't realize you could do that with marathon training I assumed you had to run during the daylight hours and. I kind of realized that you don't. You could have a headlamp. You could obviously you might not want to go to a trail at nighttime all the time by yourself, um, but with a headlamp and with proper safety precautions, you could get your run in before everybody's awake or after everybody's asleep in your house. Granted, it's still time. It means less sleep for you. So I'm not saying that it's a perfect solution, but uh, it it is a way around that problem of I just don't have daylight hours to run because it's all taken up yeah. with soccer practices and a billion other things. Yeah, absolutely. I had I headlamp it three times a week now. Oh yeah, headlamp it three times a week. Yep, all in the morning. Two in the morning, one at night. Wow, look at you! Way to go, Doug. <laughs> that is quite a lot, actually. Um, the the objection that I think that you you sort of skipped over here, or at least just didn't think of, is probably because it's so common, is uh, the sense that people don't know how to run trails. That uh, for me, that was that was a big one. Um, you know, I just I had spent so much time with the with the marathon training and focused on that so hard, and never did I do a trail run as any part of that. Maybe maybe once I had gone to a trail and it didn't work because I don't know I hit a river that I didn't know that was there and like didn't even know you could just run through the river because that's what you're supposed to do with trail running, but <laughs> stopped and my long one was ruined because I had planned out this route that required me to cross the river. So I swore off trail running after that and said I'm not doing it, and got it in my head that it was this major hurdle to overcome if I wanted to get into ultra running. And then one time went to a group run, a group trail run, the first time I'd ever done it with the same group I mentioned, and uh, and just loved it. And it was just so much fun. It, it's not that different. You have to lift your feet up higher. There are certain etiquette things you kind of do and look out for. Uh, I learned that you just run right through the rivers, if, if, assuming they're not dangerous to do that. Um and it was really fun, and you get dirty, and you bring a towel to the run because you're going to be really muddy when you're done. But like once you just kind of accept that and embrace it, it, it was this for me at least. It was this totally new way of looking at running that that like 
just kind of reignited this interest in running and made it really fun to run for another year or two after that when I kind of thought that, I don't know, I knew what running was now. So um, trail running is not is not the beast that it seems like, I don't think. You don't need a ton of equipment for it that a lot of people assume you have to get. It, it's not like this huge skill you have to learn. It's just, I would say, find a group you can do it with or find a trail runner, someone who you know who runs trails who you can do it with, and then... For, to me, that just sort of like uh, eased all of these uncertainties that I had. Had I gone out and done it myself, I would have, you know, just not known how you do trail running. I would have been worried that I was doing it wrong. But just being with a group, just following them, I realized it's, hey, it's just normal running. You're just kind of picking your feet up and having more fun while you do it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that, and I think that I'm glad you brought it up. Um, and, and just to add to that, I would say that, just because you're training for a trail ultra doesn't mean you have to be running all of your runs on trails. Right. And I think that's kind of a common thing is, mm-hmm. uh, um, they feel like, well, you know, I mean, it takes half an hour to get out to trails and there's just no way I could do that every day. Well, you don't have to do it every day. Right. I mean, you have, yeah, it's good to do it on, on your long runs and it's good to do it on a few, you know, a, a run here or there, but, uh, you definitely don't have to do all of your runs on trails. And, Another thing I would say is that there are plenty of ultra marathons that aren't on super rugged mountain trails. Mm-hmm. There are lots of races that are on kind of crushed gravel paths, rails to trails type stuff. Um, plenty of races that are do you know, kind of some dirt roads or gravel roads, fire roads, that type of thing, where you're not having to worry about all a bunch of rocks and a bunch of roots and a bunch of things like that. You can, you can find some smooth trails to, to run on that aren't going to be a huge transition from, from the road. So, you know, maybe you don't have access to a lot of trails where you live, um, but you still want to run, you know, a trail ultra, then just find an ultra that, that where the trails aren't all that technical and you can, you can search around and and that information, Mm -hmm. that information is available. Um, So yeah, I totally agree. That's not a big, uh, it's the transition to, to learning how to run trails is, is, not nearly as big of a hurdle as a lot of people think. And then, um, you know, and then when it comes to finding time or, or being able to train on, on course specific trails, uh, for your race, you know, just, just make sure you're being mindful of the type of the type of race that you're, you're choosing and, and find a race that fits, uh, kind of what you have available to you. There you go. For, For the record, when I did my hundred, uh, I, it was it was eighty percent trails, not not crazy technical trails. It was in Ohio, but you know there were some there was some single track and and a lot of it and a lot of mud and all kinds of dirt and roots and all that stuff. And I think I only did like two or three of the long runs on trails because I knew that it was a trail race and I had to do some. But for the most part, we had just had our daughter then, and uh, you know I just didn't want to take in take in that extra half hour you mentioned to go mm-hmm. drive to trails when I was already going to be out for a long time. Uh, and it was fine. It was honestly totally fine. Now, I had learned to run trails before that, so I, like, I wouldn't recommend it if it's your first ultra and it's on trails. I wouldn't say just do three of your long ones on trails and you'll be fine. But um, I don't know. I think it's just an example that, that I mean, if, if your desire is to do a trail race and you can't get out the trails, then uh, it's fine. Just just get out there sometimes. Make sure your body is not you know in for a total shock and surprise when you do hit the trails. But uh, it doesn't take that many times to do them. Yeah. Good. All right. So, um, I don't know, Doug, I think, I, I hope this is helpful. I'm, I'm always worried when we talk about this for the exact same thing I mentioned earlier, that, that we will sort of slip into, um, assuming oh, it's, it's really easy. easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I, I hope it's not that. Cause in fact, we want it to be the opposite, right? We, we want this to be 
not us assuming uh, that anyone can just do this, but but honestly trying to address the objections of, of people, you know, the real objections people have that say, you know, it sure seems like a much longer distance to run when I feel exhausted at the end of a half marathon. Uh, so I hope I hope this has come off not as, you know, just because we can do this or have been able to do this than than anyone can. Um, but rather rather as a as a reasonable um, addressing of those objections. And I hope a lot yeah. of people will listen to this and say, hey, maybe I maybe I can do a 50K, you know, th- as early as this fall. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 we could do an entire episode on all of the things that are hard about running an ultramarathon, right? Um, yeah. Because there are, I mean, ultra, running an ultra is hard. I mean, there's going to be low points and, and it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be hard. But it's going to be worth it. And it's going to be awesome. And <laughs> and the point of this episode is really to to kind of um, give you the confidence that if that's something you want, if it's something that you, if it's a goal that you have or something that's of interest to you at all, then you know explore it because you uh, if you can do that, if you can do that fifty or if you can do that uh, marathon or, or half marathon, then then we believe that that you have what it takes to to go forth and chase that ultra marathon goal. There you go. So you can start by going to nomadiathlete.com slash go-ultra and get Doug's free 10-week starter kit, starter plan, which will give you a little bridge program to get into ultra marathon training as well as uh, some mindset tips and things, kind of what we talked about here, but but, uh, in written form. That's right. So there you go. Check it out. Check that out. And uh, we'll be back, uh, what, probably next week with uh, some, some good stuff. We have a good interview scheduled. We're in in the works of getting scheduled. Speaking of ultra running, we won't we won't uh, Ooh, yes. divulge any more than that. But one uh, that I think people enjoy. I think so. It's a good one. A repeat <laughs> guest, right? Repeat, but only only. Oh, that's true. No, you know what? He hasn't been on. He or she he... hasn't been on. And in fact, this <laughs> he, is a he and she. He and she. Yes. Um, uh, that's true. Has yes. not been on the podcast. Has been has been featured on No Meat Athlete. Right. But the not he on the did a. Did I do interviews that weren't podcast interviews? I guess I did. Yeah, I did yeah. recorded interviews before there were, or at least I don't even know. If, boy, that's really weird because I think we even I think Nomad Athlete Radio existed at this point, but it was sort mm. of in a in a lull holding pattern when I interviewed the he of of this particular he and she, <laughs> uh, and just published it as a as an interview on Nomad Athlete the Nomad Athlete blog. So anyway, mm. maybe people can figure it out. But well, if not, they'll be in for a good surprise. Big surprise. Yes. That's right. Cool. Alrighty. Good. Well, this was a good Doug, and hope everyone enjoyed it. Hope uh, you, you want to go run that ultra now, and we'll talk to you soon. We'll see you on the trails. All right.